Welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles, 24-8. I'm Allison. And I'm Erica. And before we start, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or stream us on Spotify. And if you're enjoying BC the Beatles, feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatlemaniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. And don't forget, you can always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. Hey, Erica. Hey. Hey, this is a good day for us. This is the start of our fall 2021 Let It Be series. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty crazy, awesome episode. If I can toot our own horns Mm -hmm. a little bit. So... Just to give you guys an idea, in the coming months, we'll be taking a, a deep dive, you know, on all the new Let It Be things. There are so many things. Of course, there's the box set coming with so many great, rare, unheard tracks, uh, the beautiful, gorgeous new Get Back book. And both of those will be coming on October 15th. And, of course, the crown jewel, I think, of these releases, the three-part film, which is coming to Disney Plus in November, I believe, around Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. The whole Thanksgiving weekend, three days in a row, Peter Jackson's extended Let It Be. I'm so excited for that. We're going to have to do some kind of virtual event. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I mean, I've got to... We were talking about this earlier. It's like I've got to find a workaround for Disney Plus because I canceled my subscription. And I don't think they gave me another free trial. Oh, we'll figure it out. You can't not have it. We're also going to be celebrating these Let It Be releases by doing some deep dive episodes at some of the more interesting aspects of the whole Let It Be time period. The sordid history with Phil Spector's original mix and the... 45 years later, let it be naked and uh, how the presence of Linda and Yoko and Billy Preston changed the band's dynamic during this time. A lot of crazy stuff happened. All at once. And, you know, to be fair, as we're recording this, a lot of those materials and things are still under strict embargo, hush, hush. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would love to give you guys a quick preview. And you may have, you know, kind of come into contact with some of these little tidbits on the internets but uh you know we wanted to share with you guys a little bit of the uh the things that are coming soon well first of course the box set so the let it be release comes in three different editions you've got your super deluxe with 57 tracks you've got your let it be special edition deluxe with 26 tracks and you've got your standard edition with 12 tracks so all of them contain the beautifully remixed version of the original phil specter let it be album the other discs are outtakes and all of those other wonderful historical moments that we've been seeing on these 50th anniversary box sets for the past three years yes and Uh, In addition to those box sets, we have the Get Back book, which has kind of gone through a little bit of an evolution since it was announced, but I think it came out just amazingly. We both were lucky to get a copy of it, and we've been obsessed with it. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's actually two books. There's the book that comes with the Super Deluxe CD and vinyl collections, which has a forward of Paul McCartney and Glenn Johns, Giles Martin, and that's the track by track. And then there's the big hardcover coffee table book, which is a separate piece that features unpublished photos by Ethan Russell and Linda McCartney, and a lot of handwritten lyric sessions notes, sketches, Beatles correspondence, um, dialogue from the sessions, so many wonderful things. I always love a good contact sheet, and there's a couple of those in there. 
to really show you like second by second what yes. was happening during these sessions. It's so, so cool. Love it. And now that it's October 1st, that will be coming up shortly. Um, but we're very excited. Very, very crazy, stupid excited because we have somebody on the podcast today who we've wanted to have on for a long, long time, who we love very much. His work is incredible. I mean, he really needs no introduction, but we are so excited to welcome Giles Martin onto the podcast today. Giles Martin is, of course, the son of Beatles producing legend George Martin and the mastermind behind the gorgeous 50th anniversary releases of Sgt. Pepper, The White Album, Abbey Road, and now Let It Be. Giles Martin has given us something to fawn over every year for the past four years. It's been just masterpieces. Yes. Giles began working on Beatles projects alongside his father when he was younger, starting with the Beatles anthology and later collaborating on the groundbreaking 2006 Love Album, that mashup soundtrack for the Beatles themed Cirque du Soleil production in Vegas. Which is so great. I still remember buying it. I got it like Best Buy in the boonies in Ohio because that's where, you know, back then you bought your CDs. And just putting it in my mom's van CD player on the way home and just being like, what the hell? It was <laughs> so, so different incredible. and weird and, yes, trippy. Oh, God. I still, like, sometimes when I hear a Beatles song that's on that album, I'll expect it to go into the love version mm -hmm. because I listen to it so goddamn much. And it's so, it's still so good. It's, like, mind-blowing when you, the first time I heard it, I was just sort of like... I felt like somebody punched me in the face. I had no idea what happened in a good way. <laughs> totally. The creativity that he had to take all of these things and remix them in such an unexpected way, but to still give us this quintessential Beatles experience and feel that was translated into acrobatics on the stage. So what a, what a crazy, right. wonderful creation. Well, in addition to Giles's production work on the Beatles, he certainly has a busy career. Otherwise, he's currently head of audio and sound at Abbey Road Studios, the sound experience leader for home audio company Sonos. He is also the lead exec executive producer for the band In Excess, and musical director for the soundtrack to Elton John's biopic Rocketman. He is also a big dog over at the Universal Audio Department, and he's been really uh, instrumental <laughs> sorry, mm. in the sort of generation and proliferation of 360 immersive audio, which is something that I've just started diving into as far as like a listener. And it's very cool. It's like positional audio and, you know, kind of the Atmos experience, if you guys are familiar with that. But Giles has really been on the forefront of that as well. I um, was at Capitol when Abbey Road came out. I went to a listening session at Capitol Studios here in Hollywood. They sort of revamped one of their mastering rooms into like a room that has speakers built into the walls, the ceiling, probably the floor, like just everywhere. It specifically to give you that sort of positional, atmos directional experience. And yeah. they played side two of Abbey Road and it was unreal. It's really kind of given the music a lot of new depth in life, I think. Definitely. And yeah. we got to speak with the man at the center of it all. After the break, Giles Martin. This episode of BC the Beatles is sponsored by pictures2digital.com. 
As Beatles fans, we're so lucky that all that original footage was saved and digitized so we can see masterpieces like the new Let It Be. But what about your personal memories? If you have piles of photos, videotapes, or even slides documenting your family history, make sure they're protected for generations by digitizing them at picturestodigital.com. Pictures to Digital can digitize nearly any type of media, catalog it for you, and deliver your memories via flash drive or the cloud service of your choice. And now, Pictures to Digital has a special offer for our listeners. Use the code BEATLES15 at checkout to get 15% off any order. Book now to receive your digital memories in time for the holidays. That's code BEATLES15 for 15% off. Save space, reduce clutter, and keep your precious memories accessible and protected for life. Pictures to digital. That's pictures, the number two, digital.com. For memories that last a lifetime. All right, guys, we're back. We're going to get to Giles. And we got to speak with him about a bunch of different topics, even about the new Peter Jackson film, about how that might change the perception of this period in Beatles history and how he plays a part in creating a quote unquote modern sound for a new generation of listeners. What? It's very interesting. And also how he produced this thing in the time of COVID. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Before we start though, you may notice that the interview starts off a little bit abruptly. That's actually because in the, you know, the introductory banter saying hello, Giles kind of jumped right in and was talking to us about the gender imbalance in the music industry and how there need to be more women in the music business. And we felt like he was just being, he's such an ally and his sentiments were so important to hear and just not said often enough that, you know, we, we started off with this little rough cut because we wanted to make sure those sentiments were known. Yeah, it meant a lot to us because, you know, that was one of the reasons we started the podcast. So it, you know, it was really meaningful to hear, to hear Giles say that. Yeah. So here we go. Part of the reason we started this podcast was to give a voice to women and to second-generation fans. Absolutely right. And it's cool, actually. My, I have two girls. I have two daughters. I, I my, drive my daughter to school and, and we listen to music in the car. And she, uh, you know, she sometimes listens to the Beatles, but the range of music she listens to, you know, it's like, you know, it's, nowadays we live in this global jukebox. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I, always, I, I try and encourage women in the industry. Women have much better hearing than men. There should be more women recording engineers, for instance. Uh, from your lips to God's ears, Giles, honestly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I work yeah. in the music industry myself. I work for Warner Music Group. So, you oh, know, there, I didn't know there's that. one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know, I've, uh, there's, I, you know, I run, I'm head of, what am I, head of audio and sound for Universal Music Group, which is a strange title, but, and I have, you know, there's a, there's a great woman who works for me. And she always says to me, I'm so grateful that you don't treat me any differently. I was like, why would I treat you any differently? We're well, so grateful. You don't understand, being a woman in the industry, people think that I don't know technical things. I don't have technical knowledge. And I'm like, well, totally. this is just crazy. It's just, yeah. it's just doesn't make any sense. There's such a divide in that, even in the community. So that's... Yeah, and, and it's that thing where you just go... You know, I also work with Sonos, who are a speaker company. And there's so much effort. They're very good. There's so much effort that goes on in order to, to create diversity and equality and all that sort of stuff. But I find it frustrating because I said to the, the original CEO, I said, 
we're spending too much time on this. And it's a, I've, and he goes, no, you don't understand, Charles. You think we're spending too much time on this because you don't have those views. That's and it's like because I don't, I don't have any. It's like you know, you don't understand. People need to know this. You don't think like this, but lots of people do. And I was like, really? And I'm so naive. I just presume that people don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and then, then I then understand. I'm totally wrong. So, it. you know, it's 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 but it's you know because I take it for granted that it doesn't make a difference what gender someone is or what you know how they look or whatever. It's like you know, are they any good? Or, Absolutely. You know, That's how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, off, off topic. Oh no! I mean, we could we could talk about this all day. This is a big topic. Maybe we should do another another. We'll do another call about this. Absolutely. Anytime. Music industry. Yes. Oh my gosh! Would love that. Definitely. Well, we're so excited to talk to you. Oh my gosh. We've been listening to The Box and it's all incredible. And um, we're so excited. And, um, you know, as Erica was saying, we're coming from the perspective of women. Yeah, but also the next gen or second or third generation Beatles fan perspective. So yeah. and you're kind of like the ultimate second gen, you know. I am. Um, <laughs> the ultimate second gen. You I'm are the Yeah, I'm pleased to say that because a lot of people think I'm probably still the first generation. Oh, like, because, no, no, what I mean by that is because I'm so similar to my dad and sometimes the way I look and the way I sound, it's like, well, mm. he, he never died. This is so lucky, so fortunate. Like, <laughs> That's you know, a lot of pressure. That is yeah, a, lot a lot of pressure. pressure. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. No, I, I am me. You know, <laughs> I, I am, I think. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, it I lost my anyway. checks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to, we want to just like jump right in because we've got so much to ask you. Um, I was reading the book, the companion book to all this to get back, um, which is fantastic. But I loved your foreword and I love the quote that you said about the Beatles regarding Let It Be, which making the album was kind of like an old married couple trying to go on dates again. <laughs> I love that, how you framed that. Um, and I was wondering if you could just like talk a little bit more about that in terms of this release, because I'm sure with the amount of material you had access to in the archive, there was so much to kind of like build that narrative of going on dates again well it's funny yeah i don't really i don't really build the narrative i just you know i, I don't it's people find out to do but i don't really know about much about this stuff until i do it you know i don't Ooh. like i don't read beatles books and i don't you know listen to beatles outside of my work and i don't you know i just become an expert because i'm asked to do these projects and therefore you know i listen to 52 hours of footage and then i get an understanding and i sort of live in real time you know i i spent three years in journey 1969 last year and you kind of understand and and i suppose that part of being a producer or you know and my father was the same part of it's psychology you know part of our job is when we get an artist in a room is to try and get the best possible performance out of them and encourage them and trying to nurture and and be that and so you understand the artist you're working with even if it's 50 years on because you're listening to the tapes and you get you get a sense and so yeah it's my interpretation of let it be is that they talk about, and you'll see it in the, in the Peter Jackson film when that comes out, they talk about their impending divorce. They're aware of the fact that they're not the same band as they were, they're not the same fab four, and they've all got different interests. They've got girlfriends, they've got wives, they've got kids, some of them, and they, they, are, they are moving on. Not only that, but Brian Epstein has died, and that's big for them. And they didn't, they didn't, they didn't get over the fact that Brian Epstein had died Absolutely. he was their driving force and he actually paul says well daddy's gone now and i think that they're trying to reinvent themselves not quite sure how to reinvent themselves and so the answer is well let's just go back to what we had before you know we were happy then do you remember the times we used to go out 
Do you remember that fun we used to have? You know, mm. things we didn't have. We didn't. We didn't have all of this. You know, as John would say, this crap around us. We were just a band. We were just a band of four guys playing in clubs in Liverpool. So let's go and do that again. And that's what Let It Be was. But you can't do that. You can't strip off your baggage. And that's the funny thing that they're cutting about Let It Be. is like, you know, we're just a rock and roll band. And they start playing One After 909, which they wrote in those days. At the same time, Paul's writing Long and Winding Road and Let It Be, which are so mature songs. So they're pulling in these, yeah. and, and, you know, and George is writing All Things Must Pass. And that's what it is. It's like, you know, it's like you go on your date night and you go both get back and opposed to jumping into bed, you're, you're put on the news. That's what the that's that's what Let It Be is to a certain degree. It doesn't make it a worse album, I think, but I just think that's the for me that's the psychology of this album. That's so interesting. And you talk about the psychology of the album, and another thing that I always think of when I think about Let It Be is how the audio mixes themselves have kind of become part of the story and the history of Let It Be with the the Phil Spector mix. And Paul wasn't happy with that, and then he continued this conversation with Let It Be Naked four and five years later. Was it hard to achieve that balance with all that backstory? Yeah, I mean, I talked to Paul about it like a, like I, mean, I talked to Paul a lot, but I talked to Paul about this before we did it and say, listen, you you didn't like the album, you know, you didn't like Phil Spector's, and it wasn't sort of Phil Spector's. Phil Spector adding you know, strings, choir arrangements, different takes, without Paul knowing. You know, Paul likes to be involved in his music, <laughs> kind of obviously, um, but Paul likes to be involved in his music, and um, you know, with this, these are really they're remixes, not remasters. And just to just go off that, the analogy I'd use a remaster is like polishing a car. A remix is actually taking the car to pieces and putting it back together again. Um, that's the difference. And 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 so we, you know, we did take the strings and we put them back through Abbey Road, and we did you know various bits of things to to this to try and to try and make things less stuck on. This album is a strange album because it's now built up a lots of different sections of and there's across the universe was recorded i think even before the white album i mean mine was recorded after abbey road so this is like a big and then there's this intense three-week period where the get back sessions there was savile row and there's a rooftop you know half of the album is actually live performance the rooftop which is incredible i mean it sounds amazing because it's recorded on a rooftop in 1969 and i was just trying to get a a sense of unity if you like so it's a record so it didn't sound too stuck together. So it's not like, oh, here's the Phil Spector bit and here's the rooftop. And and so that, that was the intention. So I'm pleased you, I'm pleased yeah. you, you enjoyed that. If you like. I did. I, I can't tell oh, you how many times yeah. I listened to one version after the other of Long and Winding Road to hear, wow, that sounds so much different. <laughs> Long so Winding much Road smoother. Was, was really tricky to do, actually. That's a tricky song. I'm very, I'd be very happy. I shouldn't say never to hear that song again, funny enough, because... <laughs> You know, you know, because I listen to it so many times. Because we, you know, I mean, I'm I'm joking, of course. Of course, I listened to it this evening, uh, but no, um, you know, I, I, you know, just because I couldn't get it right, I couldn't get it. You know, that's the thing. Is like there's 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 beauty in 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 the slight filthiness of the original, and if you make it too polished, it becomes a bit gaudy. It's a bit like I just analogy of, you know, Michelangelo painted, painted the Sistine Chapel, and over time it became dark and brooding, and they cleaned it, and it was like really gaudy, and he was. Our stories went, oh no, of course he meant it to be d dirty, you know. And it's a bit, it's the same with some of this. When you, when you, when you clean up these, these old, old records, it's like, wait a second, let's put the dirt back on it again. Yeah, that's fascinating. Like the complexity of the remixes too, because, you know, I went back to like even the 2009 remasters and compared them and it's like, it sounds so much brighter. 
and I felt that way with Sgt. Pepper too, in particular. I just it was like hearing it for the first time again. A couple of years ago, when Abbey Road came out again, I was at Capitol right. uh, for the listening session with Guy Hayden, who, as you know, is co-producer of these beautiful boxes. Yeah. Um, and he said something that really stuck with me, and it sort of blew my mind, which is in doing these remixes it's all about trying to make the Beatles appeal to younger ears, you know, that are used to like the streaming and making them sound brighter or sound, you know, more like Gen Z or kind of was used to listening to. Do you go into going into preparing the remixes with that sort of, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's mindset? A, it's, a good question. it's a really good question. Cause it's very pertinent. Cause right now I upset everyone by saying that the, my immersive version of Sgt. Pepper is on iTunes. It doesn't sound very good. Cause it doesn't sound very good. Because basically, I mix that for a theatrical thing, and once you, if you, it's fine if you're in a small room, but if you shrink a theatrical thing down to a small headphone experience, it's not as good as it should be. So, I was in it on Friday with Sam O'Kell, who's the guy, he's my partner in crime, poor guy, um, and we were working together on Friday in the studios at home. We were down there looking at Sergeant Pepper, and and then we, he said, you know what. You know what's a really good what's some really good Atmos mixes, and I just played them stuff because I you know the parts through my hands through Universal like there's an Ariana Grande shut up sounds great in immersive audio. It's like well this is not like Sergeant Pepper, you know. But you think okay for kids music should just be music, right? And I have this belief, and it could be it's very naive, but you know I'm working with Elton uh, tomorrow. He's he's working with who's he working with? Um, he's working with a 27 year old singer. I should. He's very famous. I can't remember his name. Anyway, and and the Beatles are the, are twenty seven or twenty eight when they do these records, or twenty five, whatever, and they always will be. And so, why should it be any mm -hmm. different? Why should it be any different? So, they, so that's why that's my approach. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter whether you you recorded yesterday as a twenty seven year old or recorded in nineteen sixty nine as a twenty seven year old. You're still a twenty seven year old on that yeah. record. So that's that's why I'm thinking. It's still a creative talent and it's a flowing of creation. It's this beauty. And you just go, I don't want my kids who have this global jukebox of like, you know, my daughter starts playing with a chain by Fleetwood Mac, you know, followed by Olivia Rodrigo. So it's not, you know, it's like, okay, you're absolutely right. It's all music followed by, you know, she likes the Arctic Monkeys, you know, and they're all modern mm -hmm. to her. And so let it be can be in right. there. And that's kind of the intention. That's kind of the fun thing. Right. It would be odd, I think, if the Beatles sounded a bit like Ariana Grande. It would be strange, yeah, and and, and also impossible. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and there's, and there's another thing here, which is kind of interesting, which is that the way that Beatles made records is different to the way records are made now. You know, the Beatles have no click track, there's no tuning, there's no perfection. You know, the you know they had a finite you know, amount of tape too. But, you know, still, yes, uh, but I, I think more importantly that it's the human heartbeat that we miss on records now. You know, that, mm -hmm. that you know, the, the timing of Let It Be or the timing of Across the Universe or is Across the Universe will be John playing his guitar and singing. That's the heartbeat of that song. And that's what everything's based around that song. You know, um, yes. it's like classic examples of Dan Alive. Dan Alive is the fourth in the studios playing shakers, a shaker, bongos, guitar and piano. And then the drums and bass go on afterwards. You know, it's not like it, you never put drums and bass, you have a click track, you have that steady metronome yeah. that happens and a tuned vocal. And so it's never going to sound the same. Does that make it um, a different kind of challenge with the Beatles, not only having not quite as regimented as something that you would record today because of this, this you know, 
going by the heartbeat, but also because the, the tapes themselves are probably just so much different physically. They're, they're 50 years old. The tapes sound, sound pretty amazing, actually. Let It Be, Let it be is different. This, the, the album is different because the way it was recorded, you know, they, the band weren't quite sure whether they were actually recording or rehearsing. You know, and it's the, the, you know, it's, it doesn't sound as good as, say, even some of the tapes from, from Sgt. Pepper or some of the tapes, from, certainly from Abbey Road, which, which sound really good. The fascinating thing, I think, is that I can go back and put on a t reel of tape from, from, from 1969 or in 2021, and it pretty much sounds the same as it did, in all honesty, as it did in, in, because they recorded on very good tape. I can't imagine in 50 years' time Ariana Grande getting a drive out and being able to listen back to her thing because there's no way that would be compatible. Yeah. I mean, I tried to open a Pro Tools session the other day, which was a Beatles Pro Tools session, with my backups when I did the love show, and I couldn't open the sessions. They weren't compatible. So you do wonder. Oh, no. I mean, I can't get them back. But, you know, there is a thing. <laughs> okay, you, 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 can, you can indeed get them back. It's kind of interesting. So yeah, I, the surprising thing is, is the tapes sound really good. Did the COVID epidemic change how you did this album as opposed to some of the earlier ones? Yeah, absolutely. The COVID epidemic made it more into Let It Be. Um, you know, Abbey Road closed down halfway through Let It Be, and I, I mixed um, half the record and certainly all the extras on a kitchen table in a cottage in the middle of nowhere. That sounds lovely, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then the, the approvals process, I was literally emailing Paul and Ringo and Olivia and Yoko and Sean, you know, songs. You know, there's, that's, that, yeah. that's, the, that's the directness of it. That's what you do. And not seeing anyone. That was the weird thing for me because my, myself and Sam are normally in a room together um, and, and you, play, you play people stuff. And in this world of COVID, I mean, you know, I'm happy to work on a mix and do a mix, but, you know, unless I get my wife or one of my kids to come in or maybe I've got a dog to come and listen to it. I can't really tell whether it's any good or not. Because it's not a question you need to be told. It's just like hearing it with someone else. You just think, oh God, I should should have done something different there. Just thinking about the Beatles purists and the many people on the internet that have an opinion, and I'm I'm wondering if there's any kind, what kind of pressure is there when you're working with what are probably some of the most famous recordings of all time, and you've got the entire internet ready to judge. <laughs> you've got the entire world ready to judge. <laughs> I suppose you know. I suppose that. Um, in lots of ways, it's better to be listened to than not listened to. You know, so when I do stuff, people notice it. They may not like it, but they notice it. So that's the one thought, is that's one advantage. It's a huge privileged position to be, be in that situation. On top of that, I kind of embrace the people who hate it, in a way, because it means they're passionate about it. You know, I don't, I don't think, you know, and listen, lots of people go, what's the point? I hate what he does, what's he trying to do? And uh, in, the main, in the main, I get lots of praise, you know, for it you know um but it, we live in a world where music is on all the time and we hear it but we don't actually listen to it and these guys are really listening and means they're listening and they're listening yeah. they're listening passionately and it means something to them and if things mean something to you and it's just music that's a good thing you know if you're going to be fundamental about something be fundamental about it, you know music you know and then love each yeah. other is a good is a good way of going about your business oh that's such a nice that's way to think about it yeah. Well, thank you, Giles. This was this amazing. Um, so happy you were able well, to yeah. spend well, time it's with a, us. It's a pleasure. To, it's a pleasure to meet you both. And so we should talk about that other at another point. Please come anytime. back anytime. I mean, anytime. Yeah. Well, have a great day, yes, guys. Thank you, thank you so much. much. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.
So we are back, and as we always do, we are going to end with our latest Beatles obsession, the one that isn't. We just spoke with Giles Martin, but the other one. That was hard to not go <laughs> just to that, like, for real. So, Allison, what are you obsessed with this week? Well, you know, I got to borrow a page from the internets because I've seen this kind of floating around in the different Beatles groups, and certainly my Beatle friends have been talking about it. Um, one of my Beatles friends actually sent it to me, um, which is how I found out about it. But it's this weird book, um, memoir-ish, sort of, uh, called My Beatles Hell. <laughs> and no, it's not written by any of us, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, My Beatles Hell, the tragical history tour of Beryl Adams. Now, oh. I, I don't know if that rings the bell, if her name rings the bell to many Beatles fans, but Beryl Adams was, I know, I know her and think of her as an assistant to Brian Epstein in the very early days of the Beatles. She was around during the Pete Best times before the boys really located to London. In fact, you know, she was given the opportunity to go with Brian and the Beatles to London. She didn't really want to leave Liverpool. So that's where her professional journey with them sort of ended but you know to be fair I totally get like you know being somebody of a certain age in Liverpool I'm sure you get asked all the time like did you know the Beatles did you see them at the cavern did you like whatever and here's somebody who actually did and she spent a lot of her life sort of shirking that and really didn't want to talk about it um, it was only in the early aughts that she opened up and started talking to uh, a few different people and kind of embracing it. Tragically, I don't mean to laugh, but it's it's pretty crazy. Tragically, she passed away of mad cow disease, Ooh. which to me, like I remember that that scare when it was going around, like in like probably like 2003 or something. Um, and that was that's really tragic, you know. And I selfishly wish she were still around just to talk to her about Brian, but. You know, that's my, my uh, you know, default anyway. But uh, so this guy, Lou Baker, kind of authored this book. He purports to use Beryl's real memories and, you know, her her sentiments and all this stuff. Um, first of all, the cover is insanity. It looks like fan fiction. It looks like the fan fiction we used to write in, like, the aughts, mm. where we'd Photoshop ourselves into pictures of, with the Beatles. And that's exactly what it is. Y'all, it's like... A photo from the Beatles Mad Day Out session with like probably 60 something year old barrel like photoshopped into it. So it's it's pretty salacious. I, to be honest, haven't read all of it. I've read some of it. Probably not going to finish it because I kind of smell the the air of like hyperbole because, you know, she wasn't really around to see this published. She she I don't know how much she really had to do with it. Pete Best gives a forward. He was great friends with her. She was married to Bob Wooler, who uh, later came out as gay, who was MC at the Cavern Club. So she was really in the scene. Um, and I sort of skimmed and, you know, picked up the parts with Brian because that's who I am. Hello, have you met me? Mm-hmm. Um, she seems to be very respectful of Brian. Nothing really crazy about him in there. Um, she didn't like John. It's like kind of the same things we hear over and over. Um, but it's interesting to kind of encounter this thing that's been floating around online since it was published in 2004. And uh, if you want to read like a gossipy sort of may or may not be true, 
book and you've already read Peter Brown's book, The Love You Make, um, I guess this one's a good second. I might start with this one, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you skip The Love You Make. <laughs> yep. That's a whole other thing we should do. Yeah. Uh, that book is so fucking loaded. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I like between you and me, you, you know, all of us here, um, I found a PDF of it online. So you can find that if you can't find it in print, um, just do a little Googling. Dr. Google's your best friend. Um, and yeah, check out this, uh, this book, My Beatles Hell. If you like a good train wreck, this is a good place to start. <laughs> Even on the first intro page, there's a picture of her with the caption, Beryl as a young girl before it all fell apart. That's right? how it starts. That's how it continues. That's where it ends. That's the thing. It's like, that's why it is, I take everything with a grain of salt because like she didn't really write this. And I think that's a little, I don't, I think it's a little cruel for somebody else after her death to caption a photo like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really like tragedy porn. It's crazy stuff. Totally. Oh my gosh. Beatles tragedy porn. Good. Absolutely. Just what the world needed. I, yeah, I mean, it is called the Tragical History Tour, which they're not the first people to use that. But, you know, excellent usage, Lou Baker. Not the first, but perhaps the best. <laughs> Definitely, uh, you know, supports that narrative. So you go, Lou Baker. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from this train wreck. Erica, what have you got? This one is inspired by my boss, Mike, who's a listener. Hi, Mike. He showed me um, a Russian import that he got of Sgt. Pepper over the weekend. Um, and he showed me the pictures Ooh. on Monday. And I had never seen this before. And I went through this total deep dive because it had some really interesting characteristics that I've never seen on a Beatles album. The first was that they took out Karl Marx and they replaced him with another person. They added another head... The one that that I that he had was the single version, but it's more commonly seen as a double version, where the left side is Sergeant Pepper and the right side is Revolver. So, oh, really? Yeah, it's this double album. It's a twofer. Uh huh. And when you're looking at the twofer version, you open it up and there's the picture of the four Beatles in their their band uniforms, like you see in any other Sergeant Pepper. But the version that Mike had. It was just the single version, and they basically just cut it in half. So the first side, the the front side was this doctored up Sergeant Pepper cover. The back side was just the left half of the gatefold. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just Ringo and John. It didn't have the other two. Sorry, Paul and George. You don't get to be on this one. It was nuts. It was nuts. And so, other than that, the other changes to it is that the drum head is written in Cyrillic, as are the song titles in the inside of the record. And the two heads, which I thought was really interesting. So the first one, Karl Marx, was removed. This was done in 1992, so just when the Beatles were, you know, legal in Russia and this not exactly legitimate label called Antrop had published this and a few other Beatles albums to get some cash off of the frenzy at that time. And so they took off Karl Marx and they replaced him with somebody named Kolya Vasin, 
who was a Beatles mm. fan and a fa- the founder of the Beatles Museum and the Temple of Love, Peace, and Music in the Name of John Lennon, which is in St. Petersburg. Oh, my God. We have to go. Yes, it is still there. That was part of my deep dive. There's an amazing website, and it is in English. You can, you can look at all the stuff they have. They have some really, really cool stuff. The former owner who's on the cover, Kolya Vasin, he passed away. And so the website says that it, the museum is now in the care of the Beatles community of St. Petersburg. I love it. Well, I was going to ask if this was, you know, a very, very illegal hush-hush pressing from the 60s. But obviously that makes more sense that it's from the early 90s. Yeah, it was more like a pretty illegal, not as hush-hush pressing from 1992. Right. I think my favorite part about this is that in the very back space where on the original album, there's kind of a little space. There's a new head there. And that new mm. head is <laughs> Andre Tropillo, who is at the time was the owner of Antrap Records. So the guy who oh made the God. record put his own head at the top of Sergeant Pepper. The ultimate vanity label. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I love that they put a Beatles fan head on Sgt. Pepper. I think that's very appropriate and very cool that they honored him in that way, especially when he went off to all that trouble and started a, a very like descriptively titled museum. That is the most Russian to English like translation of a thing that <laughs> yeah. you could possibly have. It's funny, you know, and this is a whole, someday we'll have to do an episode maybe about it, about these little tiny Beatles museums that pop up like all over the world. I think there was one, I feel like there's one maybe in Amsterdam or something. When I was there, I was like, oh, I really want to go see this. Or somewhere in the Netherlands, there's a little Beatles museum. But it's just so, it's crazy fascinating. So I'm not surprised that there's one in St. Petersburg, but I want to go. Yeah, I know. Well, it kind of reminds me of when we went to the Beatles at the Ridge Festival in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. It's like a little town that's devoted to the Beatles and has this festival around them. There's all of these cool little you know atlas obscura beatles edition type things all over the world yeah i think that's so cool there could be a whole beatles atlas obscura well if they don't want to write it we can well that brings us to the end of this fabulous start to our let it be fall extravaganza thank you again to giles martin and thank you for listening to bc the beatles join us next time as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of paul mccartney's 9-11 relief effort the concert for new york city and discuss his song freedom yeah <laughs> I'm excited. Mm. This song might be the first time we are on opposite sides of a Paul debate, or rather, one of us takes um, a negative stance towards something that Paul has done for the first time possibly in her life. Yes. Is this song an anthem for a generation, or is it better off in the dumpster? You might be surprised which sides we take. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well... Uh, until then, um, as always, subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening right now. And please give us a rating or review so other Beatle Maniacs can find us. Yes. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share with your friends. We'll be posting photos and more from this episode and beyond. Remember, you can always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.